welcome to the Thrive Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Drennan. If you're a floral designer on a mission to build a profitable and thriving business, then you're in exactly the right place. I'm on a mission to bust through the secrecy of our industry, make it easier for you to know exactly what to focus on to help you build your business and teach you my favorite mindset hacks so that you can learn to show up with more confidence and authority as you grow your business. I am so grateful to be able to share my journey with you, pass along my best shortcuts and get you on the path to feeling more confident and making money doing what you love. No matter where in the world you're tuning in from, remember, you've got this. I'm beginning to realize that many of the stereotypes of how we view Canadians, if you're an outsider to Canada and you have some stereotypes about Canada, that thought of stereotypes exist for a reason. And I mean that in the most like lighthearted way possible, because I just have to tell you at this moment in time, this moment in time, it is approximately 11 degrees Celsius outside. Also, for the record, <laughs> recording this video, video, I'm not recording a video, I'm recording this podcast, like, days. The first day of summer in North America is imminent. <laughs> it's 11 degrees, and it's 11 o'clock in the morning. I was just looking, I was like, seriously, I feel like this is how cold it got in Australia in the winter which again varies depending on where you live in that country. But if you're living in Sydney, Australia, I had to pull up the weather forecast for the next seven days because it says, generally speaking, sunny, high of 19, low of seven in Sydney, Australia in the middle of June, which makes sense because it's winter. So beautiful winter day. Hey, yeah, so high of 19, low of seven. Let us look at the weather forecast for Victoria, British Columbia. Hmm. High of 19, low of 12. And it's summer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like of all of the things, I am so grateful, like so grateful that I didn't know what we were stepping back into when we made the decision to move back to Canada. Because I mean, for a multitude of reasons, I would have been like, no, thank you. I don't want to sign up for that. This like living in cooler weather situation is a is a shock to the system. It's a shock to the wardrobe, but it's very much a shock to the system because I will be totally truthfully honest to say that I turned the fire on this morning. What? <laughs> like, what? But I also very intentionally am looking at the upside because, hey, Working in a cooler environment, most of the time, is way easier for flowering. So I'm going to focus on being grateful for that piece of the puzzle and just manage my own humanity around it. But seriously, if you look at the weather forecast this week for Victoria, British Columbia and Sydney, Australia, it's the same. It is actually the same and it just makes me laugh. Anyway, major advantage in Canada and the fact that there's this thing called insulation, which is a phenomenal invention that has not yet reached Australia. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But you didn't come here to listen to me blather on about how the weather for certain parts of the year in Canada and Australia is exactly the same. 
yes, I also know that many of you in different parts of the world and different parts of Canada are going through heat waves. Many of you in Australia will soon be freezing your little tushies off because as much as nobody believes us, it can get quite cold. Quite cold if you're in the southern part of Australia. But alas, it's enough it's enough talk about my shock, my shock and awe of being in Canada. I'll keep you posted. I'm still trying to navigate feeling like a fish out of water in this country, even though I was born here. But I will record a podcast episode on that, on what it feels like to feel like an outsider in a country you were born in. I wanted to today just talk to you about a DM that I received on Instagram And I feel like this DM sums up the reality of what it's like to run a flower business and what it's like to have your eyes opened to learning how to run a flower business, feeling much more empowered, much more confident and being able to use your creativity on so many different aspects of how you run your business. And I received this DM from a client of mine who has been a designer for decades, like 30 plus years designer. So this idea, and I think there's something in this message, even if you're brand new, if you're just starting out, but also For those of you who have been regular listeners of the podcast and you have been designers for a long period of time, this is so helpful to just hear how other people are choosing to shift their focus and choosing to run their business from a different perspective. And for the first at least four years of running my own business, I honestly thought that I was the only one. I honestly thought that I was the only one who really struggled with having a more holistic perspective in terms of how to run my business. And I actually thought that there was something wrong with me and that every other floral designer knew some sort of magical pathway, some sort of secret how-to guide, or it's that they were pretty enough, young enough, famous enough that they didn't navigate the same struggles that I did. That was what was going through my head in the first few years of me running this business. And I want to read out for you some specifics of what she wrote in this DM. And I think her language is so powerful because she has been able to articulate the struggle that you and I have as creatives, as business owners, as people who are really passionate about floristry. But she's also been able to paint a totally different perspective. And the way that she's managed to summarize this in one DM, just it feels so perfect because it just shows you both sides of the equation. So I'm just going to read it out for you verbatim. And here we go. I studied retail floristry at a college full-time year-long program that covered design plus flower care plus small business concepts. It included a six-month co-op opportunity, which gave her the opportunity to work in a super fancy 
flower shop. After that co-op experience, she was then hired by that flower shop. And this was 30 years ago. During that time, during her entire time of going through flower school, working through her co-op position, and in the last 30 years of her being a florist, at no time, not a single professor, not a single shop owner has ever taught me to look at floristry the way that Kathleen has. I was taught that the customer tells you what they want, how much it will cost, and then it is your job as the floral designer to then make it happen no matter the creative, emotional, or financial cost to you. Kathleen, you are the first person I've ever met that looks at what we do, both from a design, but especially from a business perspective, as being an art. I am running an art business, not a product business. What I get to create is art, how I run my business is art, and how I show up is my art. It's completely fucking mind-blowing. When I read this, it gives me goosebumps because this is exactly the whole point is that we get to use our creativity in every single area of our business. It's not something that is just limited to when we have flowers in our hand and we're at our workbench. But this idea of really looking at your whole business like it is your canvas, like it is your playground. And there are two things in her DM that I really wanted to unpack because they were game changers for me, which is why I feel so passionate of really teaching a different way for floral designers to run their business and to feel empowered in how you run your business. And that notion, and we all have this idea, right? So deep dive point number one, I was taught that the customer tells you what they want and how much it will cost. And then it is our job to make that happen, no matter the creative, emotional, or financial cost to me. That sentence is exactly what I walked out of flower school believing. And it's so interesting because that notion of the customer is always right. That idea is so baked into us as floral designers, as business owners. And really, like if you read any kind of customer service book, if you were ever doing any sort of like small business study, if somebody was going to ever try and teach you about how to be good at customer service, like they're, everybody's going to be like, the customer's always right. But here's the challenge that we face as floral designers. It's very possible that the customer is right when the customer has the same amount of information that you do, <laughs> except in the floral design industry, they don't. <laughs> Even if we take my favorite example and the fact that peonies are only available six to eight weeks of the year, and that six to eight weeks is dependent upon the winter and the spring that preceded to that six to eight weeks, and it's so inconsistent, very unpredictable, and nobody is willing to bank their life on those exact six to eight weeks. There's no way the customer can be right if peony season is unpredictable. But if the customer knew that peonies were available six to eight weeks of the year, and then here are some great alternatives, if you're getting married and you love the look of peonies, hey, we could all work together and just come together with some better conclusions. So it's impossible in our industry for the customer to be right because they don't have enough information to make the right decision. However, we as business owners, particularly those of us socialized as 
women walk around thinking the customer is always right and that we have to do the right thing for the customer. And it becomes this full circle experience of, I need to be a good girl. I need to follow the rules. The customer's always right. It's this totally self-fulfilling prophecy built on a complete lie. And that concept is what leads us to so much angst and turmoil. And I will tell you, absolutely, there was a period of time where my customers ran my business. Whatever the customer asked for, I had to learn how to design. Whatever the customer wanted me to create, however much the customer set as the budget, I had to make work. I will never pretend otherwise because absolutely, that is how I thought you ran a successful business under the guise of the customer is always right. But the more I started to really dive into where things were out of alignment in our business, this was after core meltdown. <laughs> so insert time frame of Kathleen is allowing her customers to run her business. Then we go officially hit the wall, have a core meltdown, totally on the verge of wanting to call it quits, really starting to understand that there has to be a better way to run a business. It started to really open my eyes and understand that the level of expertise that is required for you and I to run our businesses and to be good at floral design is enormous. A couple of ideas that just came to the top of my head. One, we have to have some understanding of seasonal availability and or be good at Googling. We need to know where we can source our product from. We need to have a level of quality control when that product comes in the door. We need to have some understanding of color theory. We need to have a very specific set of tools or mechanics that we like to use to create the work that we want to create. Oh yeah, you also need to learn how to actually construct the thing, install the thing, deliver the thing. And we need to understand about our own like basics in terms of flower care plus being able to educate our customers on flower care as well. It's a huge amount of pressure to put on an amateur, but that is the level of pressure that we're putting on our customers when we walk around with the belief that the customer is always right. This idea that the customer knows the same amount of information that we know around seasonal availability the same of information around where we can source product from, the same information around quality control, color theory, mechanics, design, installation, delivery, and flower care. If you think about how long it has taken you to build up your library of expertise in each one of those areas, it's so unfair that we would ever project that thought process onto our customers. Because if we put ourselves in our customer shoes, and even in those rare situations where your customer comes in and walks in the door and is like, oh yeah, I used to be a florist, or my Aunt Betty is a florist, right? Those very rare exceptions where they have an iota of a glimpse of floristry, they don't know what it's like to run a flower business in this moment in time. With these weather conditions, with what your wholesalers and your local growers are navigating, with whatever challenges are in front of you, and maybe it's even the fact that your cool room is broken. Your customer doesn't know what it's like to be the expert. They don't know what it's like to be the person with the information. So when we stop putting the pressure on our customers to have all the answers, it changes the game for us in our own 
business. And the analogy or the metaphor that I like to think of here is this idea of if somebody asked you to build a house, you could probably figure it out. Questionable whether it's structurally sound or it's a good idea or whether you'd know where to source all the product, but it's like you could probably figure it out. But the amount of information you would need to go out and gather in terms of how to actually lay the foundation, where to put the support structures, where to actually build the walls, how many windows to put in the place, like the number of specific decisions and design ideas that you need to make in building a house, like it doesn't make sense to ask an amateur to just go out there and build a house unless they want to put in the time, energy, effort, and money to make it happen. But we're asking our customers to do exactly the same thing. This idea of, oh, okay, dear customer, could you tell me exactly where you want the window or could you tell me exactly where you want the support beam to go? It's so fascinating how in our industry, we don't talk about that. Like nobody talks about the fact that you need to take the leadership position. You need to claim your space of expertise, regardless of your qualifications and your credentials in your business, because it's the most helpful thing for your customers. So the actual perspective shift to embody in this experience is to become the authority in your business. That decision and that shift in your own persona is what then brings up all the doubt, the fear and the uncertainty, because it's not a normal place for us to be. We've spent decades of our lives being told in school by our teachers what to do, being told by our parents and our older siblings, this is what you need to do, being told by people who are in charge, if you've had a different job, if you've had a totally different career, we've always had somebody else telling us what to do. So when I look back now, it makes complete sense for me, this idea of if you've come from a corporate career and I was at a complete loss in terms of not even knowing that you have to step into the authority when you start your own business, then of course it makes sense that like de facto replacement becomes allow your customers to be the dictator in your business. And I truly love this definition because I keep coming back to it time and time again of Google's definition of authority. The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. (laughs) It sounds so definitive and so incredibly powerful, but it's also so clear. It's so clear that replace CEO, replace flower boss with authority. That means that you right now as the owner in your business have the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Of course, that's going to bring up fear, doubt, and uncertainty because you and I (laughs) didn't wake up one day and go like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I want to run a dictatorship. (laughs) Like, no, I want to be creative. And if I can be creative and make money and help the people and share the love and magic of flowers, oh my gosh, yes, please sign me up. Not, I want to run a dictatorship. However, for some reason, I don't know why this comes to mind for me, but Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man, and this is like the 20-year-old version of Spider-Man, but there is a line in that movie that always comes back to me. With great power comes great responsibility. That is what you get to do when you run your own business. 
And I don't say that to put the weight of the world on your shoulders. And if you are a perfectionist, this is so not about trying to be the perfect leader in your own business. But it's recognizing that when you own the business, you get to call the shots and you get to pay attention to where you might be people pleasing. You get to pay attention to where you might be following some unwritten rules or an unwritten unconscious manual in terms of what your business is supposed to look like. And you get to pay attention to where you might feel like you're making decisions out of disempowerment where you might be allowing your customers to kind of call the shots, whether that's consciously or unconsciously, but also really understanding that the reason I am so passionate about being a business owner and teaching other humans to be business owners is because it is the ultimate personal self-discovery journey. Because you get to run a business on your own terms and it's so uncomfortable. (laughs) Like we all have so many stories and so many limiting beliefs that we are navigating every single day because we're human beings. But I truly believe that like this species of human could make so much progress if every human got the opportunity, had the opportunity to start their own business because we are forced, like it's not even optional. We are forced to come face to face with our greatest fears and our own insecurities and to really see that at the end of the day, it's you versus you. It's not you versus your customers or you versus your competition or you versus the Instagram algorithm. It's you versus you. And this is why I find getting coached every single week so powerful because I can't see the things that are standing in my way that I believe to be the truth. (laughs) For example, right? I don't have enough time. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, maybe it's not meant for me. All of these narratives that we all have in our own brain. But this idea of knowing when you recognize that you are the authority in your business, your human brain is going to have a freak out. You will be grasping to find the right answers. You will be desperate for a step-by-step plan to move forward. And you aren't going to want to move forward until you feel 100% secure in your answers. Because your human brain is craving and dying for structure and certainty. The challenge is that being a CEO is all about navigating uncertainty. It is what we do. We make decisions with not perfect information. We look at the result, we evaluate, and we change it again. And it's this like dance, right? This like being okay with the discomfort, the duality of this experience. And for me, it's like recognizing that that is the path. The imperfection, the uncertainty is the journey and we're just going to buckle up to see what happens. So this idea of really recognizing the perspective shift that you get to make in your business is that the customer isn't always right. And you get to step into the authority and you get to, in your own way and whatever feels right for you, run your own dictatorship. Which leads me to the last point that I wanted to dive in from her DM. And when she says, Kathleen, you're the first person I've ever met that looks at what we do, both from a design and especially the business side of things as being an art. 
I am running an art business, not a product-based business. I am here to create art. I am here to run a business with my art. How I show up is my art and it's completely fucking mind-blowing. And I know for so many of us, right, when we're in the experience of designing, we think that that is the only place that we're allowed to be creative. Except the longer that I run a business, the more I begin to realize that the creativity that we have as designers is actually our secret weapon in every single instance. This idea of even thinking about it on some really small scale, right? You have this vision for what you want to do for a wedding bouquet and you were banking on having shimmer roses. For some reason, they didn't come in or they came in and they were absolute crap. And now you're thinking, okay, I need a plan B. That requires creativity to solve that problem. This idea of even if you're thinking about what to post on social media, if you're thinking about posting to TikTok or Instagram reels, it's like, hey, I listened to Kathleen and I took a 45 second time lapse of cleaning my studio or creating this installation or processing the flowers from the wholesaler. Now I've got 45 seconds of video. Can I repurpose that one video into eight to 10 reels? That constraint requires creativity. What can I test next on my social media strategy? Kathleen says I should focus on hashtags and create content that's relevant to my clients. Okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to create my 30 hashtags that I'm going to use. That requires creativity because all of a sudden you realize that 30 hashtags is a lot of hashtags. <laughs> You're like, why do I always get stuck at 17 and then 23? And I still have seven more hashtags that I can use. Amazing. What template could I create so that packing the van for a wedding is easier than ever? And in actual fact, I could get somebody else to do it. That requires creativity. It's so helpful to look at your entire business as your opportunity for design, because it's so, so fascinating to literally look at your entire business and go, one, you just created this out of thin air. <laughs> so that means if you don't like something in your business, you can change it. But also, huh, I wonder if I could tweak something over here that could then help something over there. I wonder if the next time somebody inquires about doing a wedding that's below my minimum, I wonder if I could just repurpose that same email that I sent that person over here. And then I wonder if I could also actually just repurpose that email into a post on Instagram. And then I wonder if I could actually just add that into my FAQ section on my website. Wait a minute. It all just becomes this like giant chess game or checkers, whichever one you want to play, you get to just move all the pieces around and the whole thing becomes this amazing canvas that you get to pour your creativity into. Once you realize and once you really adopt the fact that the customer isn't right and this is your business and you get to set the rules. So two pieces of homework that I want you to do and the good news is you could do this if you're in the car. Harder to do if the kids are around because they're going to distract you. But if you're in the car and you're driving back from the wholesalers or to the wholesalers or you're out doing delivery, here's the two questions I want you to reflect on. Because this is actually very much a personal deep dive self-discovery experience. So how do I learn to run a business feeling more empowered? How do I learn to run a business that doesn't feel like my customers are always in control of it? The first question to answer, it's a very simple yes or no question. 
and feel free to just answer this question out loud. Do I feel like I'm in charge of my business? Or does it feel like someone else or something else is running the show? Yes or no? Do I feel like I'm in charge or does it feel like somebody else is in charge of my business? I will say, don't hesitate to just answer this out loud. <laughs> Even if you're with other people, you could do it if you're with other people as well. And if they're business owners, amazing. So do I feel like I'm in charge of my own business or does it feel like somebody else or something else is running the show? And it doesn't even need to be a very literal specific answer. Like you don't have to get to the point where you feel like you have to identify what is running the show if it's not you. This is just about awareness because awareness is power. I absolutely so totally wish that the day that we register our business, the day that you get your business set up, that there was an incremental piece of paper that says, do you know what you're signing up for? <laughs> Let me present to you Google's definition of authority. Be like, what? That would be so incredibly helpful. At this point in time, if you have answered, I feel like something or somebody else is running my business. That's amazing. You don't even need to answer the who or the what. Just know, hey, I don't feel like I'm in control of my business or yes, I do feel like I'm in control of my business. You might also be at the point where you've done this work a few times around and now you're going, I feel like I'm getting better, but it's still not quite at the level of empowerment that I want it to be at. There's layers upon layers upon layers that you can continue to unpack as a CEO. And this is where the second question comes in to play that's so powerful. And this has got to be my favorite self-coaching question. But if the first question is, do I feel like I'm in charge of my business or does it feel like someone else or something else is running the show? Answer yes or no. And then I want you to ask yourself why. And come at this question from pure curiosity and like just genuine inquisitive. I can't even say that word. Genuine inquisitiveness. Wow. So you're just going to ask yourself why. This isn't about even having to identify exactly what or who might feel like they're in control of your business. But remembering, because your name is the name that's on the business registration, that means that you are running the show. So why am I not feeling empowered? Why am I not feeling like I'm actually in control of this business? For me, I will tell you that the answer to that question for the longest period of time is simply, I didn't know. I didn't know there was another way to make it happen. I didn't know that when you are the owner of the business that you get to call the shots. I didn't realize that owning a business is very different to being a staff member in somebody else's business. It's so helpful to just simply ask yourself, why? Why do you feel like you're not in control of your business? Why do you feel like something or somebody else is calling the shots? Getting to the root of that question is so powerful because you've just identified the next problem to be solved. This idea of remembering, it doesn't matter if this is day one of your business or day 10,001. You could be the person who sent me this DM on Instagram and you could be a designer for 30 plus years. 
and only now realizing that when you run a business, you get to call the shots, that you are the CEO, you're the creative director, and you are the visionary. And remember, at the end of the day, this is your business and you get to set the rules. You know what's best for you. You know what you want your business to look like. And if you've been walking around feeling resentful of your business, hating your business, wishing that somebody would come along and fix everything, I promise you there's a way out. Because I spent so long in that spiral simply because I didn't know that there was a different way. So just take a minute and ask yourself, do I feel like I'm in control of my business? Does it feel like somebody else is running my business? And then spend the time just asking yourself why. And then go out into the big bad world and start solving for that problem. Remember as well, if you want to sign up to the Flower Boss Academy, you can. You'll get access to weekly one-on-one coaching so that you can start to unpack this work and build a business that you absolutely love, feel supported, and as a byproduct of that, you'll also start to make more money, which is super fun. So my friends, if you want to join me inside the Flower Boss Academy, just visit flowerbossacademy.com and you can enroll today super excited for the curriculum that we have unfolding over the next few weeks and months. My friends, as always, please drive safe, have the most amazing week, eat your vegetables, drink your water, get some sleep and go out there and make some money. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye for now.